Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are someone that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you've come to the right place. You don't have to call yourself anything. We don't have to use any labels. You're just someone that knows something isn't working for you and you want to make an intentional change. Let's go. Welcome back to Drink Less, Live More. If you are a regular listener, you may have noticed a bit of a different intro. There's some different intro music. And also, I changed just a little bit of the language in the introduction. So I used to say, if you are a woman that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, and I have changed that to a person. So I don't give a crap what your gender is or where you land on that spectrum, could care less. I really wanted to be just more inclusive on the podcast for um, people of any sort of gender that want to listen to this. And so I've had a few men that have been very interested in my program. They're going to be guests on the podcast. And, you know, I've always considered myself a very inclusive person. That's something that's incredibly important to me. And I think it's important that we share men's stories and create a safe space for them as well. Um, you know, people ask, are you going to do just a group with just men? Because I know you've done a group with just women. And the answer is maybe. I don't know. Like, I'm really thinking about that. Um, you know, I try to keep that space for women safe, where it's just women. They feel like they can bring um, things that that women understand um, to the conversation. And I often think women don't feel like they belong in corporate spaces and some other spaces as well. And so I wanted to keep that safe space, but maybe, maybe I'll do a men's group. I don't know. Um, You know, I love men. So I coach men. Um, I actually find them to be um, different, obviously, than women, but I I really find them to be really fascinating and fun to coach, honestly. So uh, they don't tend to hold on to things quite as long as we, we women do. So... Um, So anyway, that's why that has changed and what that language looks like. I'm going to start having more guests on in future episodes to really start to share more of their story. So far, it's been a lot of my story, but obviously, I think we learn a lot through unique stories and experiences, and we hear that thing where we're like, oh, gosh, that's me, and I thought something was wrong with me, and here's this other person saying the same thing. That's super cool. I just feel less alone, which is really what this is about. Maybe I should have called it the Feel Less Alone podcast. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So I want to talk about something that's been on my mind. I think this has been true just from a health perspective in general. I was raised in the early 80s and 90s where we were talking a lot about calories. Like people were really counting those calories, even in the early 2000s. I mean, like my fitness pal came out and oh my gosh, we all got to be tracking every little thing we put in our mouths and, you know, jotting down the calories. And I think we've oversimplified what health looks like if we're only focusing in on calories. I don't count calories. I don't give a shit what calories are in what. I'm a smart woman that has been on a bazillion diets. I know exactly if I'm putting healthy food in my body or not. I don't care about the calories. I just don't care. When I'm full, I stop eating. When I'm hungry, I eat more. So feels feels pretty simple, right? Um so I don't really care about the calories. I don't count them. I don't. That's not why I exercise. I think that's another huge component here is like I hear people say, well, I go to the gym so I can eat, you know, the burger on the other side of this. 
And that's perfectly fine if that's your motivation. But again, I think we are missing the massive benefits that exercise has on us, you know? Um, it helps us sleep better and there's massive benefits for good sleep, you know, so good quality sleep and getting enough sleep and that quality piece. So there's so many other benefits to exercise. There's so many benefits to our brains from an exercise standpoint that we just don't talk about. And I really wish that had been framed differently to me as a kid um, and as a teenager. Like it felt like they were telling me something was wrong with me. And that's why I needed to exercise and count my calories versus saying, hey, look at all these amazing benefits you might be able to get um, if you do these simple things, you know, and like it's really important for your mental health. I mean, nobody was talking about that. And so I want to talk about that with alcohol because I hear this a lot. And, you know, I coach women that are often in my generation or maybe even older in an older generation. Um, and this has been so ingrained in us that we don't even think to question it. You know, I have one client and she laughs about it when she says it. because She's like, I know this doesn't make sense, but for some reason, I don't want to order a ginger ale when I'm out, which is her go-to drink at home. So she used to drink wine all the time at home. Now she just drinks her little zero ginger ale at home. And that is perfectly fine for her. She drinks it in a pretty glass and that like feels like that's good enough for her. She's good. And then she goes out. And she doesn't want to order a regular ginger ale or a regular soda or anything with sugar in it. So like a mocktail with sugar in it because of the calories. So she orders wine instead. And I'm like, you understand that there are calories in wine as well. Plus, you're getting the impact the alcohol has on your body. So you're sort of like doubling probably the negative impact here if we're looking outside of just calories. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. For some reason, just my brain is like, like obsessed with this, you know, like I can't, I can't let this whole calorie thing go. Um, and I'm sure, you know, some of you have heard the term almond mom. I don't, maybe I'm just new to it um, because I'm old. I don't know. But I've been seeing that a lot, you know, on TikTok and other places where they're talking about, I, you know, have an almond mom, which is basically a mom that's like, oh, if you want a snack, eat five almonds or... <laughs> I'm not going to eat bread because of the calories. Like they're always kind of talking about calories and health and all those things. But it's more from a how you look standpoint versus how you feel. And that's what I'm saying we need to switch. So it's not about how you look. It's about how you feel. Um, I am not a happy person on a low-carb diet. I am I'm freaking miserable on a low-carb diet. I've tried it multiple times. I hate it. Like, I hate life when I'm on a low-carb diet. And people are like, oh, we'll just keep going. I'm like, no, I did it for 30 days. I still hate it, and I feel like absolute shit. Like, I literally feel absolutely terrible. And so it's not for me. Like, it's just, it is, I'm not, I'm not going to be a keto person. I've tried it. I, I hate it. It doesn't feel good. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, how do we get our bodies to sort of work optimally? I am not a neuroscientist. I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the neurological side of alcohol and how it affects us. Um, I'm certainly not that. You know, I do have a master's degree in nursing, but I had like a semester of, of courses in neurology and I just barely passed those. So, <laughs> um, you know, really I'm, I'm taking what those that do 
this for a living. I'm taking what they have to say about it and trusting that as my scientific evidence. Um, And it all makes sense to me, you know, so like I always look at the science and I'm like, yep, that checks out. I get that. So, you know, in my own journey and So in my own journey, I've just been kind of, you know, as I've added a little bit of alcohol back into my life, just trying to figure out, like, how do I, if I want to have one drink, how do I avoid it impacting me significantly? And, you know, the term sober actually just means being unaffected by alcohol. And so sometimes I'll order a really low alcohol drink or um, order a really low alcohol beer and have one beer and that's it. And I don't feel affected at all. And so I started looking into that. I'm like, am I just tricking myself? Is there really a like, bigger impact to my body than what I'm telling myself that there is? Um, and the answer is actually no. So as I look through just how the brain looks on alcohol, and there's you know these different stages of, of how you know, the alcohol affects the brain. And so the first one is called subliminal intoxication. And so that's when you've, you know, had one drink. Alcohol enters your system within five minutes. Like it gets to your brain within five minutes. I'm like, whoo! Like when you think of, like we talk about the blood-brain barrier with medications and you think about how fast alcohol gets to the brain versus some drugs. And it's pretty dang fast. Like it's pretty amazing that it affects us that quickly. So, um, you know, subliminal intoxication is like a 0.01 to a 0.05. So that is like you've maybe had a drink. Reaction time is maybe a little bit slower. Maybe judgments very slightly altered. Behavior might be slightly altered. But really, that's about it. You know, you could still drive a car. You could still do essentially everything you need need to do. Um, And that's usually where I stop. So like when I added alcohol back, I'm like, that's the space I want to stay in all the time. So that's it. Um, the second stage is what we call euphoria. This is when it starts to really mess with our brain chemicals. And so that's when you get that big release of dopamine. Um, and if you are unaware of dopamine, if you haven't heard of it, it is the chemical that is linked to pleasure. We love it. It's kind of gives us this euphoric state and it also helps us feel relaxed and confident and, um, just really overall kind of warm and fuzzy. And so we like this. And, you know, there's some people that say, oh, I'm addicted to dopamine or I'm a dopamine. I had somebody on TikTok say I'm a dopamine enthusiast, which I really enjoyed. Um, We're not really addicted to the dopamine necessarily. It's more that it's like our brain's motivator. Like it feels like such a reward to our brain. And we're like, yes, we need more of that. Please give us more. So in this stage, this is where you get to like more of that blood alcohol level is like 0.03 to 0.12. You're starting to feel tipsy. Um, you are not remembering everything. Your reasoning is a little bit off. Um, you can't drive a car at this point usually um, or probably shouldn't be driving a car. Um, and so that's where, you know, I used to get in this space a lot, you know, where it would be like, okay, like I'm not completely drunk, but I'm in this euphoric space and it's my my brain chemicals are being affected. 
Third stage is excitement, which has got a huge range from a blood alcohol level standpoint, 0.09 to 0.25. That is significant. And then obviously we know what happens when we get into those spaces. So, um, you know, that's where it's like, okay, I don't want to be in the excitement phase and I don't want to really be in the euphoria phase just because I know that I'm getting this like surge of dopamine, which means my body's going to try to balance that out, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So, you know, I found this to be really interesting just to think about from a, you know, neurology standpoint. We know very little about our neurological systems. We know a lot about organs in our body. We know a lot about our heart. We know a lot about how to fix problems in our heart. We know a lot about our kidneys and our livers and our GI systems and our GU systems. But we know so little about our neurological system, the brain being a huge part of that. I really hope 10, 15, 20 years from now, we know a lot more. But right now, you know, basically what I learned was just the parts of the brain. Like, we don't know how they all function. We don't know how they all work together. We don't know how they work on substances. We don't know a lot about mental health, really. And so there's a ton of work to do. But I'm hopeful that we'll get to a place where we'll be able to say definitively, this is how this really affects your neurological system, how alcohol affects your neurological system, similar to how we can prove how cigarettes affect our systems, you know, and, and what those do to us. Um, if we can do that, it's pretty hard to ignore that, you know, as we look at that. I would never smoke a cigarette ever, you know, when I, when I know what I know today about cigarettes. When I was in college, I tried cigarettes. Of course, I smoked a whole pack in one night when I was drunk. Um, and I never wanted to touch another cigarette again because I was hungover as hell the next day and felt awful. Um, and then I inhaled cigarettes, which I had never done in my entire life. So awful, awful, awful experience. But I will say I never touched cigarettes again. Um, but it wasn't just that. Like, I didn't want to smoke because it was just it just felt like such an icky, unhealthy habit to me. And so I just I didn't want to do that. I knew what it did to our bodies. I'm hopeful we're going to get there for sure. But I want to go back to why I try to stay out of that sort of dopamine phase where we start to get more of that dopamine. Our bodies are always looking for homeostasis, which basically just means we're looking for balance. It's always looking to figure out, okay, so if I have too much of this, what do, what do I have to do in order to balance this out? Um, and this is true of hormones and, you know, all, all sorts of things that we get flooded with. So not just dopamine, but all these other chemicals and hormones that, that our bodies are experiencing, which is a lot. Like our bodies are so complex. It's amazing what it can actually do. And so, you know, you might get that warm and fuzzy dopamine feeling and that's great. And then you wake up in the morning and you're like, I just feel blah and I don't know why. Well, that is your body's effort to balance out the dopamine. It's like, wait a minute, this is a little bit too much. We've now given our bodies a chemical that is increasing the chemical of dopamine in our bodies. And like, we got to balance this out. It's too much. We can't live like this. We can't live in euphoria. And so it sort of, you know, works to balance this out. That's why people say it's a depressant because it is. So it's not while we're drinking it that it's a depressant. It's the after effects that it becomes a depressant. And so then I think it just becomes this vicious cycle or it was for me for a long time where I was like, oh, I feel like crap, kind of blah, don't feel that motivated not going to work out. I'm just going to sit and, you know, feel yucky. And, you know, that was me not even like hungover. Like that was just me after a couple of drinks, you know? And so if we're doing that to our body day in and day out, we just get into the cycle of like, well, I know what'll make me feel better. I'll get some more dopamine. Oh, I know what'll make me feel better. I'll get some more dopamine. 
And we could just do that on a daily basis. And, I, you know, that's one of the reasons why people start to drink earlier and earlier and more and more because they need more to get the same, you know, response of this dopamine. So let's go back to the topic at hand, which is like it's more than just calories. What I just described to you is how it affects our mental health. It also affects our sleeping. Obviously, we know that, which is a huge component to our mental health. If you listen to the resilience episode where I talked about sleep and health being such a factor in the level of resilience that we can show up with, uh, backed by research, (laughs) that, you know, is eye-opening to me. So, you know, if we're not drinking just because of the calories, I'm not saying that's not a good motivator. That's great. But let's like double down on that. Let's add in like what are all of the mental health benefits and even other physical health benefits that we are getting by not drinking alcohol? It's not just about calories. And so I just don't look at anything I put in my body from a caloric standpoint anymore. There's so many other major benefits. So if this is intriguing to you, you want to know more, um, I know Huberman Lab, if you're not familiar with him, he does a ton of research and very knowledgeable on this subject and talks about it often. He sort of has the stance that like zero alcohol, like you should have zero alcohol ever. Um, and I'm not saying that his his stance isn't actually true. Uh, I just, I find such a... Mm, tiny tiny impact on having one cocktail here and there on my body like it's not even recognizable if I have two drinks it's recognizable the next day um and even real time but the next day I can tell if I have one drink of low alcohol content doesn't even phase me not a problem I don't have it doesn't feel any different to me the next day so um so that's sort of my own personal experience with it not saying that he's wrong by any means I do probably think that you know zero alcohol is probably the way to go um but also I you know I've talked about this before I kind of land in sort of the middle I like to find a balance versus one extreme to the other for most of these things so I would feel the same way if somebody told me they smoked one cigarette a month or one cigarette every 6 months I'd be like so what who cares you know, like, I don't care if that's your thing. And that's like, that's fine. Um, I don't think that there's going to be some, you know, massive, you know, implications for your health. So if you want to know more, like I said, Huberman Lab, I think is a good place. There's obviously lots of places to go for this. But I just want you to start thinking about alcohol in a different way. Like if we can start training our brains to think, oh, it's not that I'm losing something here. Um, I'm gaining something here and it's not just the calories. It's so much bigger than that. Like I'm gaining so much more from a mental health perspective, from a sleep perspective, from a physical health perspective. Um, and we want to look at it that way versus the like, oh, I just want to be skinny. So I need to deplete myself from any sort of calories or enjoyment. That's not like, that's not working for most of us anymore. So let's just reframe it. Like, I don't have to stop drinking alcohol or I'm not forced to stop drinking alcohol or I have to have something taken away and look at it as like, this is such a gift. Like having a hangover free life is an absolute gift. And I wouldn't have believed it until I did it myself. So if you are, if you are in that space where you're kind of like, whatever, Rachel, sure. And you are still drinking totally get it. I was there too. I had to do the experiment myself in order to really believe it. So taking that almost year off of alcohol, it was like, okay, I got it now. I totally got it. I get why people do this. So 
have a good week. I will have some interviews coming up, which I'm really excited about um, sharing more people's stories. So stay tuned. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded for my weekly Wednesday episodes. If you're curious about my programs and options of ways to work with me, check out rachelpritz.com. And if that's not interesting to you right now, no problem. Just keep listening along for free. Either way, I'm here for you.